0: Morning, and we'll get started and uh, we're going to go back into where we were last week and I entitled this you in 2022 very rarely do I try to rhyme something out but this is part two to you in 2022 see I got rhymes in there again Um, but I just again as we started last time looking at your makeup how you're designed to function you you have three pieces three components to you In, in Ephesians 3 verse 16 the Apostle Paul says that he would grant you, and the he there is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 14, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. You have a piece of you that is called the inner man. Uh, if you look over just to get a contrast to Second Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, you see them together. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Come over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. just kind of This is a little review as, as we get started. So you have what is called you, when God created man, when he... Takes man and forms him, gives him, uh, gives him the breath of life, gives him a, a spirit and a soul, and, and there it is. Your, your three components, if you look here at 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23. So here you are, and we're going to make you look like me. You, you've got, you're going to have a spirit. By the way, let's read verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you Holy, the whole of you, all of you. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here you are, and I'm going to make you a little fatter today. You've got a spirit, and you've got a soul, and then you've got a body. Well, I'm going to do something in, inside of you. That's why you're going to be... I mean, I've lost weight. Some of you have, some of you haven't, but some of you have... So we're going to, you know, you can find where you're at. So when we think about your spirit, your soul and your body. We talked last time, your spirit, that's where your mind is. Uh, that that has a, uh, th- there's your thinking. Your vocabulary is there. It's in your it's in your it's where memories are created. So you have some memories then in your soul, that's the real you. There you are. And that's where your heart is. With the, man, with the heart, man believes under righteousness. That's where your will is. That's where your um, volition is, the issue of free choice. That's where your conscience is. And that's where your emotions are. And then you have your body, and that's the vehicle. That's what's toting everything around. That's how you relate to life around you. How can you get in the car, get up in the morning, get dressed, go into the shower? Hey, have you ever gotten in the shower and the water be cold? Yeah, we did that a couple weeks ago. Time for a new water heater. What happens? Do you just sit there and go, wow, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread? No, you, you interact, you react to it, don't you? Hey, yeah, We used to have a bathroom uh, when you flush the toilet. The water in the shower would go cold. So it was like, don't flush. And it didn't matter which shower you were in. We had two of them. That toilet flushed. The whole house went cold. So it was time to fix the toilet. Eventually we did. But the thing is, is what's happening there? You're interacting. You have a vehicle. This is your outer man. This is what everybody's looking at. Whoops. This is you, this is who you are, this is, this is your makeup, this is your, de- your, you know, have you ever looked at family photos and you go, my goodness, I look like my great-grandma, you know? Yeah, you do, why? Because you have that resemblance. We studied several months ago about the book of DNA and Psalms there. You've got those genes and genetics, that's your outer man. Your inner man is made up of your spirit and your soul, things you can't see things that are there, things you know are there, the spirit of a man. When you communicate and you talk, we have the spirit of man. But in order to talk and communicate with God, we have to have who? The spirit of God. So w- even though this is how you're, and, and this is very rough and crude, okay, how you're made up, how, how God created you, when you're dead in, dead in sins or when you're when you come to scripture you're either in Adam okay or you're in Christ All right you're either unsaved or you are saved That's where you're at doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter what you think you should be or where you should be. This is just the facts, the facts of life. Here they are. Okay, if you're in Adam, the Scripture calls that your old man. That describes your makeup of as a lost person. You're unsaved. You come to Calvary. You trust that Jesus Christ died and shed his blood for you. You're a sinner. You're a lost old guy. You need help. You need a redeemer. You need a savior. He did it. I trust him and him alone. You become a new man, Scripture calls you. Now, when that transaction happens, passing from death, I'm getting somewhere, to life, what happens is is then your three components change. And your three components begin to move. As a lost person, your spirit, look over with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I just want to show you this because when you, when you hear something, when you hear the word of God come in, or you hear human viewpoint come in, the religions of the world, the philosophies of the world, the traditions of the world, when you hear this stuff come in, it's going to impact you In different stages in who you are. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and look, if you will, at verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. As a lost person, your spirit... I hate to run you around the room. Hold on to Ephesians 2. Look back to 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. As as an unsaved person, as a lost man, as an old man, this body, by the way, is called the body of sin, the body of flesh. That's not good stuff, by the way. Look at 1 Corinthians 2, and we're just going to jump in at verse number 9. But as it is written, eye hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. You left into your own state as a man. And when we say man, we're talking about humanity, okay? I understand the great push today of no man, no, no gender stuff. But when we talk about man in the Bible, he's talking about humanity. As a human, that's who you are, Okay? When you stand there as a lost person, you cannot know the things that God has prepared for them that love you, that love him, sorry. You're going to try through three mechanisms, your eye gate, your ear gate, and your heart. My eye, I see it, I can experience it. There it is. My ear gate, I hear the testimony of others. My heart, with the heart, man believes you can't do that in your own. Romans chapter 3 says that there is none righteous, no, not one. There's none that seeketh after God. You think you're being godly, you think you're doing right, and in reality, you're not because what's going on inside of you spiritually. But keep reading, verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by who? By his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Look at verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Here's the natural man. There you are. If you don't have the Spirit of God, you can't understand in anything that the Scripture says. Now, you can understand principles and ideas, sure. You think about right division. That's past, present, and future. Everybody understands that. God did something in the past, He's doing something in the present, He's going to do something in the future. That's pretty easy. but you don't understand the spiritual significance of that and what's happening unless you have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So you're dead here in, in, as an unsaved man. Come over to Ephes- come back to Ephesians, two, but on your way, stop in chapter 1, Ephesians 1. So if I need the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, to understand the things of God, to be able to get into his word and search them out, then I need him. So how do I get him? Well, Ephesians 1.13, in whom, that'll be Christ coming out of verse 12 there, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted. Who did we trust? We trusted Christ. Now watch how Paul does this. He kind of goes at it a little backwards, but it's but it starts with who? You, who you trusted. After that so we trusted after that we heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that ye believed. Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So what did you hear? You heard the gospel. You trusted the gospel, which is, in essence, trusting Christ. And then what did the Father do? He seals you with the Holy Spirit. He causes his spirit to indwell in you. So then your spirit over here comes alive. You were dead. Now you are alive. Now you can interact with the God of the Bible. Now you can interact with Scripture. Now you can see what's happening and what's transpiring. The Word, the Spirit has come in, and He's made you alive. He's given you life. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Do you know what a dead man sees when he's dead? Absolutely nothing. He's what? Dead. Nothing there. Nobody home. He's blinded. But when you see the light, now you are alive. You're in Ephesians. Stick there. Come over to chapter 4. Because there's a component of you, your spirit, your soul, and your body. By the way, this is just introduction. (laughs) You will be home in time for the football game. so Maybe. Ephesians four seventeen. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth, henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their what? Their minds. Where does your mind spi- sit? Spirit. It's a whole thing in Romans 1 about the vanity of the minds of the heathen, of the lost. They don't like to retain God in their knowledge, so God gave them up three times. Three strikes and you are out. You're done. He turns you over. He turned over the Gentile, the humanity, to the adversary. And he says, I'm going to reach over here and do something else with my people. And if you come and believe what I'm doing, then we're going to do that. What are you? Verse 18, having the understanding what? Darkened. Your understanding, that's you. You are darkened. It's darkness there. That's you. It's completely dark. Well, if it's dark, if we're dead and we're alive, and it's dark, what would this be? Light. And you go over there to 2 Corinthians 4, and you read about being how the light shined into the darkness. 2 Corinthians 4. I say it, and then I look at you, and I want to make sure you read it. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. See that darkness, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants for Jesus Christ. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, have shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Come over to, uh, you're in Corinthians, come over to chap- Romans 6. Romans chapter 6. Romans 6 and verse 17. So the third component, so if we're dead, darkened, and our body is depraved. And our body over here is liberated. Romans 6, 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, Being then made free from sin. You're connected to Adam. But you believe that Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again the third day. What does he do to you? He causes you to be free from sin. You became the servants of righteousness. Now come over to Colossians 2. What is he doing there? What's happening here? So you've got this. If you're in Adam... Let's write that up there. In Adam, you're this old man. You've got this old sin nature. You're just in it for yourself. You're not thinking about anybody but you. But then you come to Calvary, and you get in Christ, and life changes. You get this new man. you got all this life and light, and you're liberated. Look at Colossians 2, verse 11 in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Now isn't that an interesting thing? Circumcision in the Bible means the cutting away of the flesh. This is a circumcision made without hands. This isn't Abraham in Israel. This is something that God does. The moment you trust Christ, he reaches in. Actually, he calls it, in verse 12, the faith of the operation of God. God comes in and He does a spiritual surgery on you, and He cuts away the connection of this body that the old the body of sin has from you, and He connect He cuts that away, and He comes in verse eleven in putting off the body of sins. Of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Jesus Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you. How many trespasses? All of them. So what do you have? You've got a spiritual transaction where he liberates this body, this body of flesh, this body of sin, that all it wanted to do was serve itself. It's a pig at the trough. All you want to do is more for me, more, 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 more. The bumper sticker, he with the most toys wins, right? At the end, well, that just ain't true. When you die, when you say, I'm out of here, you're absent from the body, you're either going to be present with the Lord, or you're going to be present in, the, in a little place called hell, the holding pit the holding jail cell of the lake of fire. That's where you're going, yay or nay. It, you can, and you can say, yeah, but Rick, I don't believe all that religious stuff. It ain't nothing about religion. It's biblical, it's scriptural, it's right there. Yeah, but I just don't want to it. do No, it's right there on the pages and you're denying the word of God because you're here and you need to be there. Okay? Did I scare any of you yet? All right, good. I don't like to be scary. But when it comes to you, we're in 2022. I told you last week, COVID isn't going away, folks. Might as well deal with it. Vaccinating and all the stuff, and you get on the political winds of everything, and you know what you can do? You can just sail down that ship, because as believers, we're not to be entangled with the affairs of this world. I showed you that verse in Timothy. It's a critical little verse. Good soldiers, what? You're warring, but you're not warring here. You're warring not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness and spiritual principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness. Our face is not right here. Now, we're in the world. We live here. Just like all of you, I enjoy to eat. So where do you got to go? You got to go to a grocery store. You got to go to a restaurant. You got to cook it at home. Whatever you do, you're you're of the world. Why? Because you're human, but you're not to be sucked into it you're to paul says there to the corinthians come out and be ye separate and it's not a holier than thou attitude it's just an attitude of you know what i'm going to do what the word of god says for me to do and for me and my family we're going to live a certain way and whether or not you decide to get the vaccine or not that's your business whether you know honest to god it is and whether and it should not be anything other than your choice and your business it isn't mine. It's your business. Okay? I'd said it last week if if I told you I had all three shots, what would you how would you treat me? Some of you would turn your back on me. Actually, I got two emails. Did you how how, how dare you? Don't you know that's the mark of the beast? I'm like, "Whatever, dude." You know, Because you don't understand Scripture. you got all of this going on out here that that you're getting 24-7 from some people who don't know. Why? Because the body of flesh says, serve me first. I showed you that thing last time in James, how the devil works. Where does he go? He goes this way, doesn't he? Grabs those emotions. The body moves and works through the emotion. God says, no, we work this way. We work through some thinking and some understanding. We, we work down here where your heart and your will make decisions, and your emotions are, you know your emotions are stupid, right? And I, I know I'm not supposed to use the S word, but they're stupid. You know how you know that? Go to a movie. One minute you're crying. Next minute you're laughing. Next minute you're ready to kill the lead character. Next minute you're wishing he was, you know, Why? It's a goofy movie. You know, you go to be entertained, right? You know? Yeah, two shots in the head right here, now in front row. You know? You go, but that's why, because movies are designed to do what? Play with that emotion. How many of you have seen all of the Rocky movies? Rocky Balboa? dun dun da Good, yeah, I'm wasting time. I have. You know why? Because you get to root for the dude. You know, now, Stallone in his life is whatever he is, but on the picture scene, he's just this goofball left, left lefty guy that just can't talk and all this, and you kind of root for him, and then you get going, and then you see Clubber Lang come out, blah, 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 and then you see the big Russian guy, come out, and then you get know, all over the place, and the next thing you know, you've wasted a day and a half speed, re- or uh, what do you call it, uh, binge, thank you, binging it, and you go, my goodness, what did I just do, you know? but what do you, your emotions get in it right why cuz that's how your that's how the world works that's how the adversary works he says i'm going to start here and get that body that vehicle invested and god's word says no if you're mine if you belong to me you're in me we're going to work through your thinking down into you your emotions do you see the word motion tells your body what to go do. You come down. Come over with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. You think about this. As, you begin, as we begin this new year, we've been talking about things. And as you begin to think about how you should be and how you and yours should do and what you should be about and where, how do you grow and how do you do, there's some critical information here that we really we just need to be reminded of. We need to see, because the Word of God comes in, and it begins to educate our inner man. It begins to educate our heart. It comes into our mind. We read, if you're reading three chapters a day through Romans to Philemon, your vocabulary will change. Your thinking about certain things begins to change, and you're just reading why because the word comes into your mind it gets into your thinking it gets into your vocabulary and then you begin to create memories that are a little different you know what i hate facebook for the memory thing that pops up you have memories from today and you know? i'm like oh man i want to forget that delete how do you you know what was i doing there oh my goodness what you know what well, what happens it's right there then it drifts then your heart reaches into your mind and says you know what We're going to go do that. That's what we're going to go do. And your will says, okay, we've made a decision. We are going to do this, whatever it is. Your volition says, yep, it's a free choice. Nobody's pressuring us. Nobody's making us do it. We're going to do it. Your emotion, your will says to your emotions, because your emotions are dumb. They need direction. Your will says, okay, emotions, tell the body to get up, get dressed, and let's go to church. We're going to use church, coming to church, okay? By the way, there's no verse in the Bible that says you've got to go to church. But I tell you what, I've talked to a lot of people over the last two years who have not been able to go to church, and you know what they miss? Going to church because of the fellowship and the rubbing elbows and the talking with one another. You can't do that over the Internet. It's hard to do. So let's just use that. Easy illustration. okay we're going to go to church. Bam. We get up. What do we do? We take a shower. We get dressed. We put a little makeup on. We put a little whatever on or nothing on or whatever. And then what do we do? The emotions have said, we're going to go. Tells the body. The body does the actions and off you go. Your conscience, while excusing or accusing, remember that in Romans 2, what does it your conscience say? Your conscience says that activity matches what the heart and the will said to go do. That a boy. So you get in your car, and you're driving down the road, and you see a big sign. Playoff football. Free pizza. Today. Eh, church can wait. And we go into Bill's Suds and Buds over here, okay? Right? What's your conscience say now? Hey, wait a minute. Now you begin to feel what? Guilty. Guilty is an emotion. And your conscience says, wait a second, that action isn't, isn't matching what the will said we were going to do today. And what, is, what, is, what do you say? What's that little voice say? That's ah, okay, one slice and one, just a quarter of the game.'ll be all right. I'll catch the 11 o'clock hour. It'll be okay. And what happens? Next thing you know, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You've watched two games, and you've eaten two pizzas, and you're full, right? How, does all, how, do, you, how do you combat that? How do you say, hey, wait a minute, why is this happening? What's going on? Well, in, the, in 1 Timothy 1, there's a great insight. Look at verse 4. 1 Timothy 1. We'll start reading at verse 3. As I besought thee, and this is Paul talking to Timothy. He's going to leave Timothy... Uh, at Ephesus, as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So they're, they're teaching other doctrines. If you let your eye run across the page to verse 10, the end of that horrible list there, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. 1 Timothy 1.10, the end of the verse. So what should you be looking for? Sound doctrine. Timothy, I'm leaving you at Ephesus, and what's happened at Ephesus is in that church there, there's some people that have come in that are not teaching sound doctrine. Verse 4 Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions, rather than godly edifying which is in faith. So do. What should you be doing at the local church down there? Godly edification. You see, the local church is the place where sound doctrine, godly edification, is to be produced and preached and demonstrated and put on display. Fables, you know what those are? Great stories, Aesop's fables. Stories with a moral ending. By the way, going to church and not going to church is a story. It has no moral ending, does it? No, it's just a story. A fable has a moral ending to it. You know the great one, the, the tortoise and the hare, right? He slow and go, gets it. Fast and crazy, doesn't. It, it's got a morality to it. You know the one about the kid who cried wolf, okay, right? All right, there's morality to it. You know, church isn't about that. Local assembly, we talked two weeks ago about the local church here and what we're doing here. It isn't about telling you stories, endless genealogies. You know what that is? That's the who's who. Well, I go to someone's, I heard a guy one time go, I go to Rick Jordan Jr.'s church. I go, please don't say that. Please don't say that, you know. Why? Because now there's a genealogy issue. Well, I, we go, our preachers from whatever cemetery, I mean seminary they're from. Uh, we come over here and, you know, we've had the same pastor family gener- generational line for decades. Who's who? No, it's not what it's about. What's it about? Rather than what? Godly, edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now, verse 5, the end of the commandment is what? It's charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Notice how the good conscience is in there? And I show that because what's your conscience doing? It's good conscience equipped knows and understands what God's doing today, understands the sound doctrine. What's it doing? It's like, hey, that doesn't match that, so we're out of here. That matches that, so we're there. And we do that. What I want you to see about the rest of this morning is that issue about godly edification. Okay? Because as you and I, as believers... Again, if you're on this side of the board, you need to get on this side of the board. How do we do that? Trusting that Christ died for my sins, was buried and rose again the third day, and his activity and his activity alone secure my eternal salvation. I cannot help him do any of it. If you try, you make the cross of Christ of none effect. 1 Corinthians 17. If I try anything, that includes the wisdom of words... Or the activity of a ceremonial anything. If you walk down the if I said, in order to get saved and go to heaven, you've got to walk the aisle, but you got to start with your left foot. Some of you would have to go left foot. Okay, that, that's this one. Well, did I, is it a big step or a little step? Or is it a little shuffle step? How is the step? See, see, now all of a sudden it's dependent on your activity, and it's not, it's on his activity. So talk to believers. Come over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Just We're going to run some verses quickly. I Hopefully they're there on your paper for you. You kind of get an idea because I'm, I'm trying to get something into you about the importance of what we're doing here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 9. Paul says, For we are labors together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building." According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So here you are, and you are going to lay a foundation. And you're going to do it through sound doctrine. That foundation right here is who? Who is it? It's Jesus Christ, isn't it? Okay, where, where's my salvation lie in Christ? Where does my life rest in Christ? Where's my future reside in Christ? Everything is in Christ. He's the foundation. Paul will say, "We preach Christ crucified, and Him and Him alone." We're, we're your servants, and our jobs to preach Christ to you. But Christ did more than just die. He also did what rose again he lives so there's a life to live now and we come in come over to Romans chapter one and we begin to look here at this issue of godly edification what does the word say he says we need to have godly edification what does that look like I'm thinking about it my mind's working it I'm reading and I'm studying and I'm looking at this going when what in the world's going on here and and the word of God says keep at it it'll click And then you read a verse like this, Romans 1, verse 11. Paul says, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end ye may be established. That is, all right, what is it to be established? What is it to establish? Set it up. We were having work done at the house on our pool, a remodel on our pool. The guys come out, chip it all out. They had to fix some things. And you know what they put around it? A form. Because they had to fix some stuff, and they formed it out. They established what it's going to look like. That is, verse 12, what is Paul talking about? That is, that I, may com- comfort to be, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So Paul starts. He goes, look, guys, I want you to have this foundation established down here, and I want it to be of mutual faith. I want it so that when you and I talk, we have a commonality together. So come over to chapter 16. By the way, Paul does this all through the book of Romans. In our morning first hour, we're studying the book of Romans. We're in Romans chapter 9, and he has four pillars on this foundation. And the first pillar in the first chapters 1 to 5 is the issue of your justification. The fact is, is that no matter what you claim you are, a moral guy, a heathen, a pagan, a righteous guy, a thing that you're stuck in your own religion thing, guess what you are? You are a sinner. That's who you are. And Christ died for you. Romans 5 verse 8, he says, But God committeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ did what? Christ died for you. Then in the second section in 6 through 8, he says, "Okay, Christ died for you. You trusted him." Romans 4 verse number 5, "Him that believeth him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness." And because you trusted him, you're in and now you have this new identity that you're to go and live out. Then in chapters 9 through uh, whoops, 9 to 10, or 9 to 11, he deals with some dispensational issues. And now, here in 12 to 16, he's like, okay, let's take all of this and apply it to life. Now, look at what he does at the end, 1625. Am I going too fast? This ought to just be review for some of us, okay? <laughs> I look around the room, I understand not all of us, but 1625. Now, to him that is of power to, notice that word, establish. Not establish, but what? Establish. Now, those are two different words. They carry two different meanings in Scripture. To establish. What am I going to do, Romans 1? I'm going to set it up for you. We're going to pour in the concrete. We're going to let it cure we're going to make sure the joints match just right. We're going to make sure the crack line is just where it's supposed to be. We're going to be that wise master builder. Now, at the end, what is it? It's done. It's stable. It's cured. Now, to him that is able to stab, uh, now to him that is of power to establish you according to what my gospel. according to the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets. You see the ands? We've got a structure being built into your inner man. We've got an edification process. We've got a a thing going on here that's building into your inner man by the study of the Word of God, rightly divided. What do we have? We come up, we say, hey, I want godly edification. I want to look at things and I want to be able to say that's what I should be doing and that's what I should not be doing. How do I do that? I build an edification system. I get a filing cabinet going. We did the floors at the house. We're redoing my office slash library slash dump room. And I told Linda, I said, I got a filing cabinet. I want f- some files so, so we can put all the dump stuff into the file so it's hidden at least. I'm going to walk in the room and I can enjoy my friends, I mean, my books, and let's see what we got. And so what do you do? You start labeling them out. Why? Because, man, I, now I remembered something for tax season because that's here on us now. And I can go over there and I can pull out the file cabinet that says taxes on it and look through there and find or not find what I'm looking for, Right. What are you doing? Same thing in your inner man. You're building a filing cabinet, a filing system for you and how you're to think about things. And he says, hey, I want you to know about my grace. I want you to know about my gospel. I want you to know about my grace and the fact that God is gracious. And you begin to understand and learn about the gospel of the grace of God every one of paul's uh, 13 epistles, romans, to philemon starts with grace and peace. that's a little different than the other 60 some odd books when they well no, 50 some odd books, sorry, kept my math right, 53, that start with a little bit of war and judgment and pa- and trouble and turmoil. paul says the attitude, the official attitude of God almighty today towards the earth is grace and peace. Long suffering and mercy. Paul says, I want you to know about it. So I've written a book or two for you. It's called Romans. Then he comes over and he says, this is Romans. Am I getting off? He says, I want you to know about my goal. What am I doing here? So I wrote the book of Ephesians. What is God doing today? He's forming the church, the body of Christ. He's taking a Jew and a Gentile Galatians 3 says there is no difference between male or female. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. We're all what? Sinners. We're all the same. We're all members of the church, the body of Christ, if you're in Christ. That's who you are. No, you're not, Rick. I'm Heinz 57. I belong to everybody. No, you are in Christ. And I want you to know about the goal. What's the goal? To take the church, the body of Christ, and fill up the heavens, the heavenly places, to come along and to take who what he's doing today and, and just fill it up out there. Everybody wants to know what the will of God is. Well, what's the will of God for Well, you want to know what the will of God is? Find out what God's doing and go do that. What's he doing? He would have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what we're talking about. Then he says, okay, we got grace. You got the goal. Now I want you to know about the glory and how it all interacts. So I gave you a book, First and 2 Thessalonians. It's all about the glory, the future. Then he says, okay, I got some other things out here because this is a house of doctrine, and it's called godliness. Boy, you can't read that, can you? It's called godliness, and there's the pastoral epistle. Godliness, God-likeness. What are, what's the goal? To be God-like. So he begins to lay out. Come over to 2 Timothy. Just for time, let's go to 2 Timothy 3. Just for time, you can look at the rest of those verses and so forth. 2 Timothy 3. So when we come into understanding godly edification, we're going to lay a foundation. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. How do I get in Christ. I trust in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary and that and that alone. Faith and faith and alone. But I'm not left alone. I've been given his word. I've been given his spirit. I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. I've been made complete in him. I, I need to now go and look into this and understand what it is. So you come to the local assembly and what do we do? We get you educated. We get you moving that way. Colossians 2 over there, he says, as you've been rooted and taught. That's what we're doing. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All Scripture, how much Scripture? All of it is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine. So now we've got another mechanism here. Now I've got doctrine. Then I've got reproof. And then I've got correction. And then I've got instruction. I got a mess, don't I? But see how you're not left alone. That's the point. God didn't just say, "Okay, you're saved, you're on your own, get out of here." You know, go root for whoever. He says, "No, I got a structure plan for you. Profitable for doctrine. There's the instructions. There's the information that we need." When we look at things when the word of God says, "Don't do that." I, "All right, now what? Okay, what's that mean?" Then reproof That's correction of bad behavior. Because sometimes we don't always do what we should do. And in the books of 1 and 2 Corinthians, Paul corrects bad behavior. So if if you're doing something and your conscience is saying you're violating God's word, you can go to 1 and 2 Corinthians and do what? Figure out how to fix it. Because he tells you. Then he says, reproof correction. That's bad doctrine. Paul wrote a book called Galatians. What has happened at Galatia? They're mixing law and grace. They're saying you gotta, you're got you saved, yeah, but in order to prove you're saved, you got to do the law. In order to stay saved, you've got to do the law. And, and Paul goes in and corrects that. Then he gives us the great book of Ephesians from doctrine on the heavenly places and what he's doing, the goal. But then there's some bad behavior going on at Philippi, so he corrects it. He says, here's how you correct. By the way, the Philippians were terrified by their adversaries. They've allowed emotions to run the show. The Corinthians are just in their bad behavior. They're just doing stuff bad. But the Philippians have allowed emotions to run rampant. So he goes in and corrects that. Then the Colossians, book of correction, they're no longer holding the head. Capital H. They're over here doing other things religiously. And he says, nope. And he goes and corrects that. Then you come to Thessalonians, the great doctrine of the glory of our glory. 1 Thessalonians, every chapter's about the rapture, we call it, our exiting of planet. And he says, here's what, how this happens. Here's what's going on. But you know what? There's some issues that come up in that. And that's where 2 Thessalonians comes in and corrects some bad thinking about things. But there's no more doctrine... I'm sorry, there's no more reproof and correction because where are you at the end of 1 Thessalonians? You're in glory. You're in a new body. You're no longer sub, sub uh, held to this. Corruption here. Then you come over to 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus and Philemon and you learn how to act together when you come into a local assembly. And that issue of godliness comes up for the very first time. You can't get to the issue of understanding godliness until you get to Timothy. That means you've come through Romans to Thessalonians. You've come through the edification process. Okay? Now I'm going to depart from the notes just one moment. Come over with me to 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, I believe it is. Yes, get 1 Corinthians 6. And 1 Corinthians 10, we'll do this and then we'll be done. So, here we are, 2022. What do I do? Well, how are you designed to work? You're designed to come over here, take the Word of God, put it into your thinking, into your mind, have it come down in, in your heart and your soul, let it make help make your choices for you. Which doctrine, by the way? The godly edification doctrine. Come over here and go work it out in your community. Okay, Rick, what's the book say about having a job? Great unemployment right now. A lot of you stay home, don't work. Do you know that Paul tells Timothy that if a man does not provide for his own, he's worse than an infidel, he's denied the faith. You know what you need to go do? Get a job. Yeah, but the government's giving. Doesn't matter what the government's doing. What's the book say you're to do? I'm talking about job. Get a job. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor with his hands that he may have to give others. You make money. We're talking to the young married couples this past week about it. You make money to take care of your family and your responsibilities, but then you make money, hopefully not in a lot of debt, so that you can go help others that need help and you can help support the local church, the offering box. Okay? But what Scripture say? doesn't say, well, the government's hand- given handouts, so I can just sit home and enjoy the handouts. It says what? Get a job. So as a Bible believer, what should I be doing? I'm looking for the handout. What? The verses say what? Get a job. Okay, Rick, but what about getting married? Because I want to get married. All right, what about getting married? 1 Corinthians 7 is clear. The only issue in marriage is that they be in the Lord. That, that your spouse-to-be is also saved. You know, it doesn't say anything about, well, we're all, we're, we, we all come from the same region of the country. Or we all have a ba- same background. No, it says what? If you're mar- going to get married, they're in the Lord. I knew a guy one time. He said, the next blonde that walks through the door, I'm going to get married. And the dude walked through, and he was blonde-headed. she goes, oh, no, 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 the next one, the next one. No, that's not how you do it. Okay? Now, we have other things like, you know, commonality, you know, at least have some kind of physical attraction to each other and have different things. I got that. But what Scripture say? Be in the Lord. All right, Rick, but what about what color car to drive? Oh, glad you asked. Well, the Scripture says that we to all be of one accord, so we know which one you're going to buy, the accord, right? No? Okay, didn't like that one. I don't like that one either. All right. I drive a Tundra, so... You know the tundra of the earth? No, that doesn't work either. So now we're into well, what would Jesus drive? He'd drive a Harley. No, sorry. Okay, those are old days. No, so you start playing these games. What about the color of the car? You know that scripture's silent about what color car you should. It's silent about cars, period. Oh, but dear Lord, right? What well, what should I do about this job? Well, first of all, you got the job. What what you do with it is left up to who you. If you want to drive a blue, I told you last week I was looking at the Tundras and they got this voodoo blue color. I liked it. I'm like, voodoo, I like that. I couldn't find one in my price range that was currently available. (laughs) I found them, but they're all way up. Anyway, voodoo, it doesn't say anything about, you know who that loves to? I like that color. I ended up with the metallic gray and I really like that color. I got out of the truck the other day, and a guy goes, now that's a truck. I said, I, thank you. I felt good. Well, you know, they never said that about my Chevy. I'm sorry. <laughs> but look at 1 Corinthians 6, and look at what Scripture does say about decisions that we make. 6.12, all things are lawful unto me. All things. Scripture says get a job, so what should I have? A job. It's lawful. I'm to do it. Over there in Colossians 3, Paul says, For bearing one another and forgiving one another, as Christ Jesus forgave you, so do ye. Do you know that the practice of the doctrine of forgiveness is not optional? It is to be done. That's pretty simple. But yet, what do we like? Eh, maybe bury the hatchet halfway in so I can pull it out later and conk him over the head with it. No, it's to be done. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. Expediency, in my best interest. Think about that. The voodoo blue would be in my best interest. Why? I could see it in the parking lot. <laughs> you know, I'm out there in all the black and white cars. You lose it. Voodoo blue has nothing. No, you know, that was going to be the license plate voodoo, you know. Really freak them out. The pastor driving a car with voodoo on it. it woo! Internet explodes. You know, there you go. No, it doesn't matter. What's expedient? What's in my best interest? What's in your best interest? All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Brought under the power of any. That's the issue of bondage. Legalism. Legalistic. I gotta do this. Now, now, you got 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. There's a third component there. Or What does Scripture say? That's what we're doing. Well, now, Scripture's silent. So what do I get to do? I get to make some decisions for myself here. What's expedient? What's in my best interest? That's what we're going to do. But if I do that, will it put me under bondage in some shape, manner, or form? Yes or no? I don't know. We've got to get okay. Yes, it will. Then I'm not going to do it. Does it edify others? See how you got some criteria here to help in the foundation, in the sound doctrine, to help you make decisions. I use myself. I had a job opportunity many years ago to work out east in the mines and globe in the globe Miami area. I would have made 125 k a year. Pretty good money. Problem is the schedule stunk. Because the schedule's 12 on, 12 off. That's 12 days on, 12 days off. Wait a minute. I've got a local ministry I'm doing. What happens on the days I'm not there? The guy didn't care. He could care less. Here's what the schedule is. So you know what I said? No, thank you. He looked at me, and he says, what do you mean? I give you 150, because they were really hurting. I go, no. No. You can give me 150 and I'll work five days a week and I'll have weekends off. I'll take that. He goes, that ain't happening. I said, then we're at an impasse. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. And I, and I got up and walked out. You gave up a $125,000 job for ministry? Yes, because what is important to me? What's expedient? What is going to edify others? If I didn't, if I took the job, what would happen? I would be under a bondage to what? That job. I applied out at the prison system to be a chaplain. I'm a chaplain, study all day, do, do. So I go out, and I know the chaplain. I interview with him. And in their job description, they like you to have pastoral experience. All right, cool, I'm in. We're talking, so he's ready to offer me the job till I ask him, well, what is the schedule? Because I have an active ministry in Tempe. And he says, well, if you, ta- if you join us, your hours, And that will become secondary and we become, there and it's eight hours. And he gave, and I said, well, that's just not going to work. And he goes, well, Rick, we'd like it to work. How can we make this work? And I said, you make it work on Monday through Friday, and I'm or Tuesday through Saturday. I can work Saturdays, I don't care, but I'm not working on Sunday. He goes, well, what if we had you come in in the afternoon? I said, you didn't hear me. I don't work on Sundays, and I don't work past 6 o'clock on Wednesdays, because of Wednesday. and I gave him this. And you know what he said? He goes, I just don't know. I said, I do know it's not going to work. Thank you. Two, Two months later, I get a phone call. Hey, Rick, are you still interested in being a chaplain? They can't find anybody to fill the slot. Like, sure, but you know my stipulations. He goes, you haven't changed off of that, have you? I go, No. It's not like I grew another pastor over here, you know. Now, I use me. You figure you. What's the sound doctrine say? What's expedient for you? What's in your best interest? Is it going to impede on me? Does it cause me to be under bondage to where I can't be who I'm to be in Christ? Does it edify others? Now, I could have went and done any of those jobs. We would have made it work, fine. But that's not how to think about it. So what about you here in 2022? How are you made to function? You take it in, make some decisions based on the word of God that's resident in your inner man. You've built this system into your inner man. And you say, you know what? I can choose to... What if I'd have taken that job in Globe? What would have happened? I don't know. I didn't take it, but it, what would have? How would that have impacted you guys? How would that have impacted others outside of us? You see, it would have had a. You got to think about that. What would have happened if I'd have took the chaplain job? <laughs> that would have been miserable, I'm afraid. I I, I read the. I was like, oh yeah 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 okay, 180. No, 360 different religions represented in the prison system. And you have to be willing to deal with all of them. Like, okay, I can see where this is coming. You're sinners on the way to hell. You know, that wouldn't have worked. (laughs) You know, but that's, the thing is, is the choice is yours. As believers, as we go day by day, again, the world is going to, it's not going to get any better we were talking earlier about the stock market this past week. Ooh, what's coming? It's not going to get any better. So you make decisions. Now, right or wrong, you don't know till you get past them and look back and say, yeah, that was right, that was wrong. But you know what you got? You got the Word of God that comes along and says, you know what? Your job is to build into your inner man the godly edification. As a local assembly, our job is to build that in be a place of the authoritative communication of the word of God rightly divided, to be that pillar and the ground of the truth. That's where we need to be. That's where you need to be. That's where you need to be all the time, not just in January, the beginning of the year when you're making resolutions and thinking about things. So as we go day by day and as we get out there, we ought to be thinking about, hey, does it edify? Does it put me in a bondage? Is it expedient? And if the answer is no in any of that, then we don't do it. If it's yes, yes, and no, then you don't do it. If it's yes, yes, and yes, then we do it. Okay? All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, and above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your Son. We'll give you the glory for that. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.